0: Our scripture reading this evening is found in 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. We're still in our series of messages of creatures of the Bible. Lord willing, uh, we'll conclude that series, uh, not because we've exhausted all the creatures of the Bible, uh, but uh, because it's time to move on to our, our summer series as well. Uh, but also to, to just draw that to a close as well. I urge you to continue to search out the Scriptures to see how God so beautifully uses His creation to speak to us uh, His truth and His will for our lives. Tonight, though, we look at uh, the wisest man in Scripture outside of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Solomon. Let's hear, then, God's word. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness in righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit upon his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil for those who, for who is able to govern this, your great people. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, After you thus far the reading of God's Word let's again bow in prayer father in heaven we thank you for this word that you have given to us as well may we learn from it and may we deepen our walk with you from it and may we see Christ in this as well in his name we pray and all God's people say amen so we want to look at four things Uh, Tonight in regards to Solomon's wisdom. First of all, the granting of Solomon's wisdom. Secondly, the examples of Solomon's wisdom. Thirdly, the failure of Solomon's wisdom. And then fourthly, the greater than Solomon. The greater than Solomon. So first of all, the granting of Solomon's wisdom. Note, it came from the Lord. We read that... The Lord says, I give you a wise and discerning mind. Verse 12. The wisdom of Solomon came from the Lord. For it is in the Lord that all wisdom abides. He is the one who is full wisdom. True wisdom. He is the one who is all wise. He is the one who is all knowing. These are the attributes of God that, that we Confess to be true of his glorious being Solomon is given some of God's not that that empties God not that that deletes God this isn't a subtraction problem but God grants to Solomon this wisdom This isn't some natural thing on Solomon's part. It's not just that he had a super great mind or somehow or another the processes in in his formation, you know, the the little neurons and so on formed together in such a way that in Solomon's case, whoa, look at this, we've, we've got this man of great wisdom. No, this was wisdom that was granted to him by the Lord. And it's not even granted to him, you notice, in his birth, in his formation. This is granted to him after he has become king. This is what God grants. So whenever you think about the wisdom of Solomon and hear about the wisdom of Solomon, understand that that didn't arise out of Solomon himself. This was that which the Lord gave to him. Secondly, note that the wisdom that God gave to him was an answer to prayer. Solomon's request when God came to him and said, ask, ask me, ask me for something. What would you like? Go ahead, ask me. Solomon's request was, Lord, I'd like an understanding heart. I'd like wisdom. To be able to govern your people this is what solomon asked for the new testament tells us that if we ask for wisdom god grants that wisdom if if we ask for it god grants that's what happens here solomon asked and god granted him his request it is indeed the gift of God but secondly let's look at some examples out of Solomon's life of this wisdom the first example of that wisdom comes just a few verses later in 1st Kings chapter 3 it's probably one of the most famous things Solomon is known for right it's the story of the two women who have two children. The one lady uh, at night lays upon her child, kills him, and then goes and makes claim that the other woman's child is actually hers. Uh, This goes before Solomon to decide. He hears the arguments, he hears the stories that each tell, and then he says, well, here's my decision. Let's take the child. Let's divide it in half. Now, it's not Solomon's intent to do that. This is Solomon's wisdom at work, for he knows how the true mother is going to respond. Based upon the testimony, he, he can't make a determination. So he makes the decision, divided in half. The one whose child it wasn't is basically fine, that's okay with me. The, the true mother says, No, 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 don't do that. Let her have the child then. If you're gonna kill it, let the child live and let the child live with her. Solomon then says, give, give the child to the mother who said, Let the child live. That is the true mother. And this thing, you see, this thing. Okay, goes throughout all Israel. Look at 1 Kings 3, 28. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. And they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was with him to do justice. What other examples do we have? Well, we have Solomon the builder. Solomon built, as most of us are aware, the temple. That Solomon's temple in all of its glory, this is the work of Solomon. But he not only builds the temple, he builds his palace, he builds stables, he builds store cities, and he builds a fleet of ships. Now, it's not that Solomon's out there with, you know doing the carpentry work but he's the one who is designing all of this he's the one who understands he's the one who has an understanding of beauty and what that should look like in a temple that is deserving of God and of his palace and how all of these things can work best his building there is also his testing look at first uh, Kings chapter 4 Verse 29, 1 Kings 4, 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breath of mind like the sand on the seashore so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt for he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezrahite and Heman, Calcol, Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 Proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He's tested in the sense that his wisdom far surpasses anybody else's wisdom of that day and age. Nobody, nobody, even as God would go on to say. No human would ever have the wisdom of Solomon, either before or after. Actually, one came to test that, right? The queen of Sheba. We read of that in 1 Kings chapter uh, 10, verses 1 through 9. And when she comes, she asks him all sorts of questions. And there is no question that Solomon is unable to answer. The Queen of Sheba's response to all of this, the half was not told me. Uh, People told me how you're of your wisdom, Solomon, but boy, now I've heard it for myself, and my conclusion is you're much wiser than what people say you are. Your, your, Your wisdom goes beyond your reputation. Now, oftentimes it's the other way around in life, isn't it? That one's reputation seems to be greater than what one has actually achieved in life. Here, with Solomon, the queen of Sheba says, no, it's the other way around. It's the other way around. I heard of your reputation, but the actual wisdom you possess is far greater than what I've heard. But it's also in his teaching. And and here's just where I want to just highlight for a second. Let's go back to that first Kings chapter 4. Because it's interesting to me, this comes out. Because I don't, I don't know if as a kid, as a child growing up, whether in church, Sunday school, Christian school, I actually ever heard these, this verse spoken about Solomon's wisdom. Listen to, to this, verse 33. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. Solomon's wisdom was also about nature. It was about trees. wonders, does not, what, what that wisdom sounded like. Now We get a little taste of it from the book of Proverbs, but not a lot. And yet, God's word says that one of the things that exemplified Solomon's wisdom is his knowledge of trees, all sorts of trees, a variety of trees. But then look at the next line. He also he spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. He had a knowledge, a wisdom and understanding of the creatures of this world. That's why I included it in this series. Because in in talking about the wisdom of Solomon, maybe if I had stopped at the beginning of of the message and just asked the question, so what do you think the wisdom of Solomon included? What do do you think those parameters were? this, This wisdom that God gives, what does it include? Well, it seems to include human understanding, doesn't it? The two women. It seems to include design and carpentry, the building of things. It includes a a wisdom that surpasses whatever other areas people had. He had a wisdom to to write songs. He, He had a wisdom and an insight about trees and about the creatures. Makes one go back, doesn't it, and... Think about maybe maybe I should reread the book of Proverbs and, and look for all the Proverbs that Solomon gave to us that speak of the creatures. And then understand that wisdom was given to him by God. And that wisdom that is given to Solomon by God is included in God's divine revelation to us. That's not just, oh, well, you know, let's get on to New Testament doctrine. Let's get on to that substantial stuff. No, God included it in His Word. God wants us to know and understand this natural, created world of his as well. We speak that there are two revelations of God. The one is his general revelation. Solomon, Solomon was wise according to that general revelation of God. He understood God's general revelation like no one ever has. covering all of those things. God wants us to know that. God doesn't just want us to go, oh, no, everything, it's about the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, it's unimportant to know. No. God wants us to know about His created world. Why? So that we can praise Him all the more. So that we can glorify Him all the more. So that we understand how things work and we understand the amazing things knowledge and wisdom of God. Because Solomon didn't get this on his own, remember? God gave it to him. I mean, we need to deepen our time exploring and understanding God's natural world. I've told you many times about my father and... Uh, as, as a electric electrician theologian but the one thing I also remember about my dad is he read the National Geographic from cover to cover now it's not because he agreed with everything <laughs> no it's not because he agreed with everything in the National Geographic although in those days it was a little tamer it was to gain an understanding of This natural world that reveals God. That's the wisdom God gave to Solomon. There is a second revelation, isn't there? God's special revelation. God's divine revelation. That which he breathes out through the Holy Spirit to you and to I. That which reveals, that which creation cannot. That which reveals the glorious salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. And you see, that is not a wisdom that Solomon possessed. See, that's, that's where we come to the failure of Solomon's wisdom. Solomon had written in Proverbs 3, verse 7, that one has to be careful about coming, becoming wise in their own eyes. Well, that's exactly what happened to Solomon, isn't it? He? he became wise in his own eyes. He became prideful. That's what being wise in your own eyes is. You think you know better than God. You think you you can go beyond God. You think you don't need to listen to God's word. You, You think that you don't need to follow God's path. You think you don't need to be holy and righteous and live that holy, righteous life that God calls us to in Christ. He became wise in his own eyes. Oh, he had wisdom as far as that natural world is concerned. But his wisdom as far as the revelation of God is concerned, well, we have a pretty good flow of where that went, don't we? Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. I'll pick up reading at verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these and love. See, he didn't listen to God's special revelation. Instead, he followed what he thought was the wise way to move. Verse 3, He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart, after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab and for Moloch, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrificed to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods but he did not keep what the Lord commanded oh he had wisdom as far as that natural revelation of God was concerned but in terms of God's special revelation he turned his back he forsook the Lord and yet my friends even as we consider this passage we are mindful of hear of Christ. You say, how do you find Christ in these passages about Solomon? Turn with me in the New Testament to the Gospel according to Matthew. The Gospel according to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And we're going to be way over in the 40s. This is in the context of those scribes and Pharisees, verse 38, asking for a sign. He, he tells them uh, no sign is given. Only an unfaithful, adulterous generation asks for signs. The only sign that it will be given is the sign of Jonah, so on and so forth. Okay. Uh, The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at Jonah's preaching and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And I'll go to verse 42. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, something greater than, then Solomon is here. What is it? What is it that is greater than the sign of Jonah? It's Jesus Christ's resurrection. What is it that is greater than Solomon? Greater than the wisdom of Solomon? What is it? It is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1. And we're going to be at verses 23 and 24. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God who is Christ he is the very wisdom of God Solomon's wisdom was granted by God and it was limited Christ's wisdom surpasses he is greater than Solomon why because Christ's wisdom is the wisdom of God it's not that God grants to Christ wisdom Christ is God. Therefore, Christ's wisdom is God's wisdom. He is all-wise. He is all-knowing. This is what Paul is going to pick up on when we get there in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. In whom, he's talking about which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ greater than Solomon why because in Christ are all the treasures not just of this natural world but of the revelation of God as well because it is his revelation this is the word of Christ this is the wisdom of Christ the greater than Solomon not only in terms of the wisdom but in terms of obedience Solomon obeys, but then That's where the chapter began, right? 1 Kings chapter 3. But by the time we get to chapter 11, the end of his life, what happens? He forsook the Lord. Was he obedient all of his life? No. He was obedient for part of his life, but he was not obedient for his whole life. Unlike Christ, Philippians 2 verse 8, became obedient even unto death. His whole earthly life is lived. In obedience to the Father. Obedience to the Father, not only in his revelation in the natural world, but the obedience to the Father in this revelation as well. He did all. He did all. Became obedient unto death. He surpasses Solomon. He didn't quit part way, he didn't stop part way in his life. He finished the race. But he's also greater than Solomon because of his faithfulness. Turn to the book of Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Solomon's heart became divided. Why? Because of the 700 wives and the 300 concubines. Solomon was no longer faithful. To his bride. He's divided in terms of his love. He's divided in terms of his passion. He's divided in terms of his commitment. He's divided in terms of his faithfulness. But Christ is greater than Solomon. Why? Because Christ is faithful to his bride. The church. That faithfulness to us as the church is not shared. That faithfulness to us as the church is not divided. Christ has a singular affection for his bride. He is faithful to us. Look what we read. When we turn to Revelation chapter 19 verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Do you know why he's coming? Do you know know what, what this vision is of John that he's seeing? It is Christ, the faithful and true one, coming with the armies of heaven for what? To destroy those who are the enemies of his bride, the church. He is coming to take us as his bride to be with him forever. A day doesn't change the singular affection of Christ for us as his people. A week doesn't. A year doesn't. A decade doesn't. A century doesn't. A millennium doesn't. A virus doesn't. Christ loves us as the bride. And that Love is faithful and that love is true. Someday, someday, He is coming to take us as His bride to be with Him forever. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. We sing now the hymn, The Church Is One Foundation.